0: Welcome to our Transgender School podcast.
1: We're here to talk about diverse transgender identities and experiences so that we can all be better allies and advocates.
0: We'll also discuss current events, welcome guests, and share actions you can take to support trans
1: people. I'm Bridget, and my daughter Jackie came out as a transgender woman about four years ago when she was 19 years old. I was totally unprepared, but I have learned a lot since then. And now Jackie and I are passionate about sharing what we've learned.
0: When I came to terms with being trans, I realized that I absolutely needed to transition, but coming out was very stressful. Now that a few years have passed, things have gotten somewhat easier and I wanna help other trans people navigate their own unique experiences.
1: Welcome, everybody, to episode 15 of the Transgender School Podcast. I am so, so excited today to have our guests and have an amazing conversation. Our guests today are family, so I love you both. We love you, who I'm actually going to get to see for their wedding in less than two weeks in Florida, so I'm super, super excited to have this conversation. It's perfect timing, and as I just shared We have two main goals for today. We're going to talk about lots of fun, interesting topics. And we're going to clarify a lot of things that people tend to really be wanting clarification on, specifically around gender expression. But I also really want you to meet Gabby and Emily, my cousin Gabby, and I I want you to know about the amazing work that they're doing in the world, because it's very much aligned with the work that we do in transgender school, but looking at some different areas, uh, which I'll let them explore with us. So why don't we take a minute to say hello to everybody, and then we'll dive in. Jackie, hello, good morning. On our uh, end of the morning, our side of everyone. the country. It's morning. How are you doing this morning, Jackie?
2: I'm good. Um, awake. I've had my coffee, so <laughs> nice, I am nice. fully here and excited to have nice. this conversation. And it's great to see you, Gabby and Emily. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, yes. absolutely. thanks
3: for asking us.
1: Yes. So just a hello <laughs> from our wonderful guests. Our who I just want to make sure I introduce properly, Gabby and our first cousins. Our, her mom and my dad, our brother and sister, and we're all very, very close. We've spent a lot of time together and um, shared many fun times and memories, even though we live on different sides of the country, there've always been lots of visits and your parents actually lived right near us when your mom got pregnant with you. So I remember that very well and the excitement. And so we go way, way back. We go back to before, you know. <laughs> Before I came you were born, to your conception <laughs> way before you came out, but I want to talk about that too, so just you know and emily um Gabby's fiance for only a very short time, and will be spouse, I want to hear all about the terms that you use for this because i I saw your post, Gabby, about how your prefix is going to be m x so I want to hear all about pronouns and prefixes and and emily welcome, welcome to our family, which you're already part of. I love you guys so much. I
4: can't. I'm. Oh my just, gosh. I'm blown away with the welcome. I can say that.
1: I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry all through your wedding. So I feel it already. Don't okay. Me too. It's going to be a lot. I hope you're going to have a lot of tissues, yeah, have tissues to on here. the tables. Okay. Yeah. So, but let, I'm going on and on. Say hello. Just let me let you talk for a second and introduce yourselves. If you don't mind how yeah, you God. would, in addition to me.
3: Should probably make sure we clarify who's who. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> that would be a good idea. I'm Gabby. I'm okay, There you go.
4: <laughs> oh, now that we got that out of the way, yes, yes. yeah, and
1: you co parent together as well. I want to make sure I say,
4: Oh, yes, yes. yep, yep, yep. Our child um, is 11, um, almost 12, uses they them pronouns, and is like the best kid in the whole world. So, mm. don't even try to.
1: so (laughs) yes yeah true yeah yeah it's been a journey
4: it's really cool yeah
1: I I just love the relationship that all of you have you can feel the love and the way that you're raising them is like an example of everything that we talk about, you know, in all of our programs, in transgender school, in, in, you know, in all of the work that you do. So tell us about, let's just dive right in and in your introduction, tell us about Butch Boudoir. Tell us about all the work, all the work that you two are both doing on social media. I see you everywhere. You're doing so much education and it's fun and it's light. And it's like, Inclusive of everybody. I feel, even as this like boring cisgender hetero woman, like I'm so drawn to what you're doing and I want to see more and I'm learning and I'm fascinated by it all. Tell us about it. Everybody wants to hear all about it.
3: I love it. I love that. So, yeah, so the Butch Boudoir Project started almost three years ago, right? Like that's it's we're yeah, coming almost. up on it. And it came out of noticing that there's not a lot of representation, like genuine representation for butch-identified people. Um, Emily had shared on Facebook a post about a boudoir shoot that she did. And she's always inspiring, obviously, like you mentioned. And she's (laughs) like, you know, everybody should do this. And it started my brain going like, how would I even do that, right? Like when I think of boudoir shoots, I think of frilly lacy, all kinds of stuff, very heteronormative, all kinds of things that don't any come anywhere close to applying to me. And I'm like, I was like, well, I guess that post just isn't for me, right? Like obviously, with most things that come across like that, I just automatically assume, all right, well, that wasn't for me, so I'll go find something else that is. So and at the same time, Raciella and I had started talking and, and becoming friends and trying to help each other with our businesses. And she's a boudoir photographer and she was looking for more people to model diversity in her stuff, and I was like, "Hey, I was like, you should maybe this is what you should explore, right?" It kind of all happened probably on the same day. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> both thoughts. Our dog is trying to get in the shot. Yeah, as well. he wants to be in <laughs> being on <laughs> camera. Um, so there she is. So adorable. We
1: see the little snout. <laughs>
3: So um, it kind of all happened at the same time. Um, I don't remember which one was first. I just know it all happened together. And Graciela was like, yeah, sure. And I was at the time we were running an organization where we had uh, regular meetups for queer women. And I was like, maybe you should come out and meet some people. And she's like, yeah, or, you know, it could just be you. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> mm, no, not me. That doesn't. no, no, it's just the idea. And then else does it. And um, so we kept talking about it and Emily was beyond supportive from the beginning. When I brought it up to her, Mm -hmm. she was like, that's yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Like you need to do that. And so we did it. We did the first shoot. And then as I was diving in and I was realizing like how little representation there really was, I had a moment where I was like, this is just bigger than this one photo shoot to try to Mm do this. I was like, I don't know how, but I know that it is. And Mm -hmm. again, talked to Emily and Graciela and they were both like, yeah, I think you're right. So you should just do that. Whatever it is, just go for it. And that's how it started. And then it's just continued to grow, started posting pictures on Instagram and started posting more content and telling stories. And it's snowballed over (laughs) over three years uh, to be a lot more.
1: Yeah. How would you describe it? Like how, So it's, so everyone knows it's the Butch Boudoir Project. You can find them everywhere on social media. They have a huge following. (laughs) Something gets posted and I'm like so jealous of how many likes you get. No, I'm not jealous. I'm happy. I'm, I'm so happy for you. I'm cheering. I'm cheering really, really. And loving everything. It's so beautifully curated, like the photography and the storytelling. There's so many pieces to it, right? And the calendar, this is the Butches Butches in the Wild calendar everybody you have got to order this right away my favorite month of course is August <laughs> because Gabby is featured so it's like sexy and it's sensual but yet we would say you look very handsome in these in the in your shoots not beautiful right so we're, there's so much to learn from all of it, as well as just the, the beautiful aesthetic and the, or or the handsome and, you know, and everybody's different. You have a whole community of people who identify as Butch in very different ways and present that aspect of their identity in very different ways. So it's very nuanced. So how would you describe what you're doing in the Butch Boudoir project? It's so, it's so interesting. It's a movement.
2: It really is. So when I used to
1: say that,
4: I used to say that and Gabby would be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and me and Graciela used to say like, yeah, this is a movement. It's going to be a movement. It is a movement. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea that a movement has to be huge is just, it's not true. Everything starts out grassroots, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the whole point. And we started here on the ground with people that we knew and expanded. And it's definitely a movement. Like it's, it's global now. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, the idea that we're reaching people who can be impacted and feel maybe for the first time in their lives that they can just be authentically themselves is mind blowing. You know, I know that like I waited most of my life to feel that way. So when I see other people make comments and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, you know, you said this and I was thinking that, and these pictures made me feel this and they share their own mm-hmm. boudoir pictures with us. And it's like, it's out of this world. It's incredible. So love it definitely a movement.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. And it really speaks to people, everybody who wants everybody, like there's a, a big calling for people to want to be in it. Like they see yeah. it and they're like, how do I, how do I do this? How do I be a part of this? How do I get in on this? And so like, that's such a big deal that it really speaks to people in that way yeah, I think at this point, I have to admit that it's a movement. It's You're a moment, right. right yeah. Of course.
2: <laughs> what, what, what was that process like for you, Gabby? What was that moment when you said, okay, actually, this is something that's different than what I initially thought it was?
3: So I think that moment came after we did the first group shot, which was two years ago now, right? That'll be two, two years. We did the barbershop one. Yes. And so we, we posted this, uh, this month. It's two yeah, years. That was where we were like, what if we just grabbed a couple of our friends and, you know, so it was Courtney and Nick and Karen, and I had them come to the barber shop. And our our barber was. We had like this whole vibe. We wanted to do a little bit. We wanted to do a lot of things in that shoot. Our barber is a wonderful friend, and so she was like, "Just go ahead and you know, I'll do everything. I'll be in it, whatever." And so we just kind of played with it, and I posted a picture from it, and it blew up like nothing. Up. <laughs> for for the longest time, it was still our most popular. Thing it that's really what caught, started the ball rolling. It really did. Yeah, that's yeah. where it really shifted from this thing is kind of fun and like we got a lot of attention and people like stuff and followers and but that really really made the shift and I I remember like every time we picked up my phone there was a hundred notifications. Wow. Like we, went to, we finished breakfast and there was a hundred more notifications and we were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> <And> that's happening. <laughs> right. Um, And then people picked it up on Facebook and shared it in these big, wildly popular groups, like the admins were sharing it. Um, And so then it then the Facebook page blew up at the same time because everybody was like, whoa, what's this? And Mm -hmm, it just mm -hmm. that's where it really shifted. So it was really cool. It was surprising and really cool and lots of things. But that's definitely the moment where I recognized that this was a lot more than.
1: Yeah, I thought so. Since it has blown up so much, you know, let's look at. I'd love to hear from both of you, like, what is it that people are so fascinated by and how can we help our listeners understand what you're representing? Like, let's just look at the term butch or, and maybe the term femme, you know, as well. I don't know how, you know, Emily, what you feel, you know, whatever you can share about how the two of you identify differently and what, what does it mean to be butch? And I don't want to suggest that it means one thing for all people. But it's certainly something that I think your average person would have like a stereotype in their mind about, right? And so part of what you're doing is saying it's all all these possible things, but there are maybe some shared, you know, aspects of it that you're showing in a in a really fun and exciting way, you know, and then yeah. and then, you know, Emily, like what attracts you to someone who identifies as butch? if you don't want like, I think you two are pretty comfortable being pretty oh, yeah. open about it. Right. <laughs> and to you and you're, you, okay. I'm saying, you know, from my perspective, like we're both into makeup and, you know, sure. and, and presenting more as what would be stereotypically like femme. Right. So can you two talk about all those different, like labels and which ones yes. you like and don't like and what they all mean to you? And let's educate people. Cause I think a lot of people are really curious and don't understand.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I would say the biggest thing that we work on, and you you touched on it a couple times, is that we are really trying to break down the idea of gatekeeping the term butch. Yeah. um, Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, There's a lot of, there's some people who feel like it's derogatory. Um, A lot of that comes from history, just the same as people who think queer is derogatory. So there's some reclaiming in that and dyke, right? So like, those are like the big three that like, we definitely try to reclaim while also being sensitive to the history of knowing that they were used as derogatory terms. Um, But with butch gatekeeping is, is really prevalent. A lot of people think it's exclusively lesbian and I don't believe that. Um, And so I lead the project from that perspective that it's really inclusive. I don't, I don't believe that. And I find a lot of people feel so connected to that being like, oh my, like it gives them permission to be like, oh, thank goodness. And especially because there's been a lot of, you know, gender identity and everything is very fluid, right? So Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who were butch because transgender identity was... Very frowned upon. And so they were afraid. And then as they got older and they felt more comfortable, they came out as trans and then they feel like they have to shirk their butch identity. And I just don't believe that that's true. I think that anybody from any gender identity, if you connect with it, you should be able to, to use it. That definitely makes some people uncomfortable. (laughs) <laughs> but I don't really care.
1: Good, um, yeah, that's right.
3: <laughs> their Gender identity and also sexual orientation. A lot of people believe that, you know, you have to be exclusively lesbian to be butch and or, you know, and exclusively. And I just I don't believe that either. I think uh, we found a lot of bi and pan and um, ace and arrow and all ever across all spectrums. Lots of people still want to identify as butch. And I just I just don't believe in gatekeeping it. Um, yeah. I think that it's a presentation of masculinity and it's whatever it is. If that term speaks to you, then I think then it's for you. I just don't, I don't believe in, in any of that. I also try to make sure that I always speak as not the authority on everything, right? Like I will tell my story and what I believe. And like, I will run the project in such a way that everybody feels included, but yeah, I also don't like to talk about it saying like, this is what Butch is and that's Mm -hmm. right. So it's, it's not hair length. It's not the clothes you wear. It's not, um, what colors you like. It's not whether or not you'll put sparkles on your face or paint your nails or right. Like it's not your presentation. It's tied to presentation, but it's more than that. Right. Like it's a, it's a whole identity.
4: I like to say that, um, like when people ask that it's it's an embodiment of masculinity mm-hmm. in whatever way that you feel comfortable. So that could mean that you're the person who always kills the spider. It could mean that.
1: <laughs> I, That's not Jackie. Either way,
4: it's not me, but it's not her either. So we're screwed. Um, <laughs>
1: Our
3: kids.
4: (laughs) We have to burn Um, down the house. Yeah, we'll just light a match. (laughs) But like, it's just an embodiment of whatever feels right with regards to masculinity, because Mm -hmm. masculinity has blamed in a certain way, and so it's it is a reclamation of masculine energy, and you know, it's just it's cool. It's the gatekeeping thing is something that like I think we deal with every single day. There's not a single post that goes up that doesn't have somebody who thinks that they know what it means and it's supposed to mean for everybody and like identity just doesn't work like that
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. we do our best to educate in those scenarios and then also just protect everybody from that yeah you know, being out there <laughs> yeah. yeah educate and block when necessary yeah. exactly <laughs> right if there's a room for education I'll do it and if not then we'll block and move on and that's yeah okay. I mean
4: if people are willing to learn and it's uncomfortable to learn Um, but, you know, it's uncomfortable to get out of your space. And for a lot of people that can you know, feel the rejection of realizing that they have said something that could be wrong. Um, mm-hmm. It stirs up so much stuff. It triggers a lot for people. So like, and I recognize that, right? Like in my own experience. So we try to be gentle and teach, like after we've yelled at each other on the couch about how angry <laughs> we are that like, somebody posted that, then we like go back and we're like, "Hey, okay, listen, we're going to try to get on your level here. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation. And some people want to, and some people don't. So it's fine. Like I see it as a drop in the bucket that like at some point the knowledge is going to overflow and they're going to have an aha moment. And wherever we are in that process is where we're supposed to be. So
2: I'm happy with that. That's such an interesting part of creating these online spaces is being the arbiter of the line between saying something that's wrong, but creating space for education and where you draw those lines. And I had an interesting experience recently with someone who posted um, in our Transgender School Facebook group an op-ed, and I, they were trying to learn parent of a trans kid. And I clicked on the op-ed. I was like, uh-oh, there, I'm hearing, like, transgender ideology and, like, some, some words that are red flags that this might be written by someone who is not really very sympathetic and, in fact, maybe has an anti-trans agenda and so I looked up the author, and I read the whole thing, and I was like, okay, I think this pretty clearly violates the rules of our group of not invalidating certain identities. Um, they were calling non-binary identities strange and things like that. So I, mm. I went ahead and removed the post, and, and, I, and I sent it, you know, pretty to the point, not like mean or anything, but just clear message to the person who posted it, FYI, this is why I removed it. It violated our rules, like, thanks for understanding And the person followed up and felt really bad about having posted it. And we had a good back and forth. And I think it was uncomfortable for them, like you said, but they were willing to admit that they didn't realize that and they were wrong. And they actually appreciated the opportunity to be educated about certain terms that are really hurtful and certain ways of describing identities that are really invalidating and I was it felt good at the end. I was like, "Oh well, that was a little bit uncomfortable for me and a little bit uncomfortable for that person, but I think we're both kind of better off for it." So I, I, I think it's great when we can create space for those kinds of interactions.
3: Yeah, um, I know you're talking about me a lot too, but I always point out that something I really love about transgender school is that you are very gentle educating, which isn't surprising because you know I know you both <laughs> <laughs> for my whole life, or and also before. But your education (laughs) on these topics is very gentle and very, it feels, I like to say, it feels like a warm hug, right? Like when you Mm -hmm. go into those groups, you're not abrasive. You're, you come at it from a very gentle perspective. We also try to do the same thing. So, which again, makes sense because we're related, but, um, (laughs) and I love that about it. Um, Because it is uncomfortable, but it takes another step for everybody to be gentle, right? To understand that. And I think that, especially, I know Jackie will relate, right? Like we come from being the being the minority of, we have lots of anger and we have lots of resentment and we have mm-hmm. trauma that came from that. So it takes another step to be like, okay, well, I'm not gonna speak from my trauma. I'm gonna speak from what I'm trying to do here. And so sometimes that's hard, right? Like, cause we're angry about stuff, right? And that's why like, Emily's like, we sit on the couch and we yell about it first. <laughs> and then our kid comes out and goes, are you guys okay? And then we're like, Oh yeah, <laughs> Yay, we're yeah, we're fine. fine. We're fine. Don't Everything worry fine. about it. And <laughs> often we use it to educate them too, though, to be perfectly honest. We oh do, yeah. We, we are very open with them. We'll say, let us calm down. Then we'll tell you. And we tell them what happens because they're going to see it. It's not eradicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might not be in our homes or our families, but it's, it's not eradicated in the world. And we want them to know you know, what's out there and to be prepared for it. But yeah, yeah, it takes another step to be, to not speak from your anger about it and try to be gentle because some people do want to be educated and some people don't. And that's (laughs) when you block them, right? (laughs) And that's when they go, all right, you
4: can be (laughs) willfully
1: (laughs) angry. Exactly, exactly. Emily, I'd like to hear a little more from you if you don't mind, because you are very much a part of Butch Boudoir Project and doing lots of education and your posts are also so powerful and you're doing, you're having a lot of conversation around body positivity and sharing your personal, very personal experiences in such powerful ways that there's so much to learn from. And that really inspire and move me. I just want to say that I want to take this opportunity to say that because I like all the time, but a like only goes so far, (laughs) right? Like you, I'm out, you know, I'm out there watching about that. that. I dropped these really big, like post
4: with all this information, all this stuff, and then yeah. I walk away from it because That's I after, to do it. after I do yeah. that, I don't have the energy to interact. So yeah. I'm like, I'll heart people's comments, but like all <laughs> of my friends are gone at the end of that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I am. I'm about to be 39 years old, and up until I was 30, I was living a totally heteronormative life. I had been married twice to men. And you know, our, our kids' uh, dad was my very best friend in high school. And years later, after I divorced my first husband, um, we decided to try to have a relationship, and we made a, a beautiful kid out of it, and and got married. And I grew up very religious, and my body was constantly on the chopping block. I developed really young, and so. My authenticity was not welcome in any space um, for most of my life because, you know, the fact that I had breasts and the fact that I had hips and I had a big butt, like I had no control over this stuff. It just happened. Thank you, Mother Nature, because it has served me well. But back then, it was used to abuse me. And so I I spent a long time trying to hide those parts of me and also play to the religious understanding that I was supposed to find a husband and make a whole bunch of babies and be a little breeding factory. And that was... That was what I was supposed to do. Um, And I was boy crazy, like super young. And I thought like my only job was to like get my MRS when I went to college and find a husband. And like, this was, this was the point. Right. So having experienced that my whole life, I also knew that I was, um, I was attracted to women and we've had this conversation that the first time it ever really hit me, I think I was like 10 years old. And I saw Katie Lang in an interview on TV and I was like, Who was that? (laughs) Uh There was a moment for me where the concept of masculinity existing in a space that wasn't a toxic religious man who was going to be the head of my household struck me. You know, Mm -hmm. and so I never really did anything with that. I always knew that I was attracted to women, but it was just not an option for me, and. As I got older and I was in college, like I started to kind of like explore some of those feelings, but I still really didn't do much with it, you know, and, and then at 30 years old with a year old and a husband, I had like a light bulb moment that like, I had to figure out what the hell was going on because it wasn't going to be one of those situations where I could just be like, I'm bi and that's cool. And I'm just, now I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Like I needed to be able to be authentic to who I was, you know? And, and I like, I guess I came out, right? Like I knew what the things that I knew about myself, but it was time for me to just be true and authentic. And, So all of that to say, right, like as a straight passing cis woman for my whole life, why and being femme, right? Like I've always been real feminine and sparkly and pink and right. So why does this project mean anything to me? And the reason that it means something to me is because I saw myself as like a 20 year old woman looking at these pictures going the masculinity that I'm attracted to doesn't have to be a cis guy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be the husband that my church and my family and everybody told me that I was supposed to have, um, like that, that, that could be existing that existed in, in other people. Um, mm-hmm. and like, you know, Connecting with cis men was not something that was entirely easy for me, but connecting with people of other genders has been far more easy for me mm-hmm. and far more enjoyable as an experience. So, this was a really big deal because I also could be like, when I first came out, I'm like, I'm a lesbian. And that's not how I feel. I don't feel mm-hmm. like I'm exclusively attracted to. People who identify as women, but I feel like as a whole, I'm attracted to people who I connect with. And, you know, I guess you'd call that pansexual now. I identify as queer because I connect real deeply with the culture. But, you know, this project meant so much for me because I thought about how many young women who are raised up in long sleeves and long skirts that could never show their bodies and always thought they had to have a husband that there was something more that they could see, you know, and that was really important to me. So mm-hmm. that's connections to this project.
1: Mm. Thank you so yes. much for sharing all that. So much to learn. No, really so much to learn. And it really, you know, connects with the episode we did before Jackie about how fluid all of it is. And there's th- these boxes of gender identity, as well as sexual orientation, like the boxes. They just—they're not real. Like it's right. Um, and your story is so. But I—but I, but I want to hear. I know you were going to say something, Gabby. I want to hear. I, we want to hear the missing piece of that story about you two coming together. Like, <laughs>
4: oh, okay, right. <laughs> so, definitely. So I was working. So of course, like any good queer girl who comes out, I dove <laughs> into the community as fast as humanly possible. And, you know, my first experience with a relationship while I was out was not great. It was Mm -hmm. not a good relationship. And so I, you know, made a lot of mistakes, um, but also learned a lot about who I was and what I needed in my life. And that's probably a whole other podcast, (laughs) (laughs) but I was working for an LGBTQ social services agency. I have my, my MSW, my master's degree in social work. And I was running like our brand new women's department that I helped to develop because there's really not a lot of services in South Florida for queer women. Um, Mm -hmm. And even for trans women, like we built up a really great program to support Mm -hmm. the trans women in our community. And it was like the very beginning, right? It was like just a few months after everything had started and I was just out and about in the community trying to meet as many people as possible. So I went to this women's conference in like Worth, which was like 45 minutes from where I lived. And I don't go out of my circle. I'm not a a get out of your bubble person. That's not who I am. I'm like, I'll just stay right here and date all the toxicity that's already dated each other. Um, And so I went out of my bubble and I drove the 40 minutes to another community center. And this is a really funny story. So, So I had a vendor table and Gabby had a vendor table. And they were like across from each other, like kind of diagonal from each other. Right. So I was sitting at my table and I felt like everybody was there and it was getting really close to the time. And I turned around and looked up and there was Gabby and I was like,
3: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) not that. That's right. (laughs) Not just Gabby, but Gabby with my mom. Yeah. My mom was there. Oh, Your mom was there. Yeah.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So that was really funny. And then
3: you tell the the best part. The best part. <laughs> so, yeah. So my mom was with me. Um, and uh,
1: and so, Susie, who we yes, love, love, there. love. <laughs> uh,
3: so she was there because she's wonderful and supportive and wanted to be part of it. I had helped them with their marketing for the event. Um, I designed mm. the postcard and the flyer and everything. So I always think that's really fun because the postcard that got her to the event is the one that I made.
1: Mm. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. We have yet to mention that Gabby is like the most amazing, talented graphic artist. Hello. Oh, yeah. Ever. Why you were there at this That's particular event. Okay. So go ahead. That's go ahead.
3: I love when people ask about the calendar. They're like, where did you get it made? And I'm like, well, I- I'm,
1: <laughs> Hello. Made- I'm not <laughs> just the head of Butch Boudoir Project. I am a, I am the artist. Yes. <laughs> yes,
3: exactly. <laughs> So my mom was with me because she was being supportive and also she had just broken her arm. So she had to go everywhere I went. So, yeah, so I was there and I set my table up and this is very butch relatability. Every time we tell stories like this, this happens. I was obviously, I, first of all, I found a reason to go talk to Emily. I introduced (laughs) myself to all the vendors obviously. And then, (laughs) Uh, but the whole time she kept staring at me, but I thought she was staring down this empty hallway that was right in front <laughs> of her. The hallway me. was near her, okay? It really so wasn't. we keep telling the story but the hallway was like n- like
4: next to her. So I wouldn't have been like looking at her. I would have been looking right and where
3: uh, sitting down this hallway. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, so we, always, we talk about that because <laughs> and we we always don't remember. It. I'm like, "There, she's not looking at me. I don't know what she's looking at, but it's definitely not me." <laughs> But it was. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was. Well, I think, you know what? I, I just want to jump in and say, because I think a lot of people can relate to this story that as a person who's not like sis, het, you know, whatever in the world that we live in, you know, Jackie has a similar story of meeting her partner and being a little insecure, right? I don't want to give away too much about whether or not your partner was really interested in you. And I think it is... You know, it's funny to say you thought she was looking down the hall, but I think there's something deeper to that questioning that some folks may have of like, is someone really interested in me, attracted to me? Could I, you know, could this really be happening? And and it is, but you second guess it because of all those social, all those um, you know the cultural conditioning, the societal messaging. Definitely, definitely, and I know that
3: especially with uh, masculine-presenting humans, we. Tend to be more concerned because people think that we're we're hitting on them, and then they're like, whoa, 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 like, what are you doing? Right? So there's a lot of there's a lot of that in there, which I think totally ties into toxic masculinity, right? Like that that it it's perceived as predatory, it's perceived as something, and so it it makes a lot of masculine presenting people step back and just be like, well, I'll just wait for somebody to come talk to me so that I don't appear. Right. to be this way. Yeah. Um, you know, and everybody else is like, Where where are all the butches at? <laughs> yeah, right. Like women like, always say And that. they're always like, How do I get your attention to let you know, right? Like that's a common one that I
4: couldn't even stare. I was staring somewhere else
3: apparently.
1: <laughs> well, but... <laughs> you were trying to set so you were trying to send a signal, Emily. <laughs> yeah but you I'm, also but you also were talking about
3: too though like it's also important like how to flash that right because you were like oh how do I make sure she sees that rainbow tattoo on my leg oh yeah like, that's right, right. I have like, <laughs> a
4: tattoo on my leg and I'm like I was wearing a dress and I kept walking by like trying to like flip my my dress a little bit so that she'd see the rainbow tattoo
3: which is and right the other rainbow things I was wearing oh but, my right. god volumes because we were at a conference for queer women and and even still right and you're like I need to make sure (laughs) that she knows I'm queer (laughs) right it would be the default that you'd think good chance most people here will at least be queer identified or at least allies who will say oh yeah you know like and it wouldn't be a big deal but no we still no I still
4: was like oh oh I got to make sure she knows I'm not a straight girl. Cause that's right. like always been my problem. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm sure Jackie, you can relate to all of that as well. Right.
2: Oh no. I, 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 when I first met my partner, I was worried that they were not queer. And, <laughs> and then I think when I, when I finally told them that in hindsight, it was like, wait, really, you really didn't get it. Like, come on. We right. joke about that because later on, I
4: don't what we were like texting a few days later. Um, Maybe it was the next day, the next day and like messaging right <laughs> on or whatever. And uh, Gabby said something and I went, oh, you're gay. That answers the question. And she <laughs> was like, were you, were you wondering? And I was like, you know, I just wanted to make sure you never know these days. Like it was just, and was really so, yeah, apparently I flirt well. I don't no, well, <laughs> I laughed so hard at
3: that joke,
1: so <laughs> and fun. I I remember because you I think you, I think if I'm remembering my memory is not great, but you know you came to visit not that long after, and we're like yeah. I met someone, and we could all tell like this was really special. I think that was when yeah. you were with us for Thanksgiving and yeah, Jackie was, was mm-hmm. all there together, and you were on the yeah. phone with Emily, and you were telling us like all and, the like, time, yeah. yeah. We and okay. your parents wanted to meet her,
3: so yeah. I had to- on Zoom, it was so cute. I was, yeah. yeah. They're like, meet yeah. her, <laughs>
1: yeah. And now, like, and so there's lots more to that story, but they're getting married in a matter of days. You're getting yeah. married in a matter of days. And okay. So let me, I, I want to make sure to get this one thing in there that I had in my notes and it's going, wait, we're going back in time, everybody, but <laughs> a really pivotal like experience. Cause I look back on it a lot in terms of how clueless I was, was my wedding. Okay. Let's just talk about my wedding for a minute. So I'm, you know, I'm getting married. I'm 24, which now I'm like, Holy What the hell? You know, I was twenty four when I got married. You all are older than that. Well, Jackie, almost older than. Well, I was I was twenty three the first time I got married. So is that crazy? Don't you look back now and like it's really young? It's really young. So yeah. Anyway, so you know, Gabby was six, I think, and or ish six ish. Wait, was it? Do the math. I'm fifty three. It was nineteen ninety three.
0: How so old would you I have been? In, maybe seven. you were a
1: little older. You were seven. Okay. So, right. And I was just clueless. I was like, you're going to wear this frilly dress. And, and you, I think, already knew inside, like, that was really uncomfortable for you. And Nana, who we adored, our Nana, who... Um, and and we all saw each other last at Nana's 90th birthday, Jackie, which you were there for too, you know, I think brought something for you to change into because she kind of understood to a certain extent. And like, you know, I look back on that a lot. Like I had no, and could you imagine like all these years later now, like, you know, here we are transgender school and butch boudoir project. Like my brain would have just exploded. I could not have begun to, you know, to, for me, it was like a a hetero or gay lesbian world, that was it. You know, we talked about that on the last podcast. So like, I just think it would be interesting to hear like your reflection on that experience too, Gabby. Uh, so I, I did. You I were was, the flower girl in my wedding, in case I didn't say girl. that. You were the flower girl. Um, I, I was so excited to
3: be the flower girl. So like, I also remember this experience. I hated dresses. I always hated them. I never remembered liking it. I was seven though. So I was used to having to compromise, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was the biggest thing mom and Nana both did their best to understand as much as possible, but they knew that formal events required dresses, right? Like Mm -hmm. that was just what they knew. And so that was like the compromise that I always had to make. And I remember being really excited to be in your wedding and wanting to be there. And like, it was really cool. And so the compromise was yes, that I would wear the dress for the ceremony, and then after the ceremony, they picked out a very nice little like I think it was like a like a velour tracksuit type thing. It was really <laughs> funny, <laughs> but it was spicy. Pants. It was very spicy. <laughs> I would never wear that. So I'd, much I'd probably almost. <laughs> I'd probably be like, maybe I'll wear the dress now rather than the velour tracksuit. suit. But I love a good velour track. But that suit. was the compromise <laughs> that it was like, okay, if you can make it through the ceremony for the reception, you can wear this. And I was okay with that. I mean, I was really uncomfortable in the dress, but I I could also respect that it was what somebody else wanted, right? Like that was, I was used to it. I, even at seven, I was used to the fact that to go to the theater or to go to a wedding or to go to these things, you had to put yourself aside to do the thing that you had to do well I don't agree with it now but at the time you know I was like okay I, I could get that I remember though that it was like the instant the ceremony was done I was like we're going now we're going to change we're done? <laughs> but yeah so I don't have any bad memories of like wearing the dress like I did not feel any type of way about it like I said because I was very used to that idea and it felt like it was explained to me very well, that like, and it was obvious, right? Like it's also pervasive. You see all the women are wearing dresses. So there wasn't, it's not like there was a, there was somebody else there who was breaking the, the boundary that I could be like, wait, but look, so there was no representation. There was no example, or I couldn't pull up on Google because it wasn't there. I couldn't be like, but wait, look at all these people who wear this. Can I wear this? Right. So I couldn't, couldn't advocate for myself with representation in any way. So it was okay. Like I, I enjoyed the experience and, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that that then I think speaks to how you're raising, you know, your child together where that's not the way it is now. And, and for Jackie's friends who were raising kids, when people are aware of the kinds of things we're talking about, it's like, whatever you want to wear, however you express yourself, you don't have to fit into any box. And this is even something that we struggle with sometimes in the parent support group, because if someone comes out as trans, like, let's say trans masculine, it's like, okay, well, you should want to wear all masculine clothes. And they often, no, I feel like wearing a dress today. Well, you get to. Yeah. Great. Whatever you feel. It's, it's so individual. (laughs) You know, it's, right. it's
4: so, it's interesting for us because, um, so like I, so our kid, I'm trying not to say their name on camera yeah, yes, sure to protect their <laughs> privacy and like, and their other parents, their, their dad and, and mom, like know that we talk a lot about this and yeah. we all have like really tried to like be as private and discreet as possible. But, um,
2: mm-hmm.
4: so, uh, you know, when I met Gabby, you know, my kid was seven years old. So we had seven years under our belt of life, right? Which is a really formative time of life. Um, and like I said, I'm like a very sparkly, frilly Disney princess kind of person. And I have in my whole life. And so, you know, my relationship was real heteronormative, you know, with their dad. And so for me, my thought, and I guess this is me just saying that, you know, my child is have a sign female at birth, um, and that they're okay with me sharing that. Um, and so I picked out the frilliest, sparkliest, cutest, pinkest, you know, and I really tried, like, not to. I was like, I'm going to make their room mauve and brown so that it's not, like, too girly. I don't know what I was thinking because the room was so girly. Um, right, it was That's almost like, yeah, yeah, yeah it was door. almost like, but I was like, I was, I was just I was having so much fun and I was dressing them like a baby doll and I feel like a lot of moms do that you know and I gotta be honest I think a lot of moms do that especially when their kids are assigned female at birth it's something that we have like been given the right to do and I had so many friends who be like oh you're so lucky you have a girl because you can do this 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 and this you know and I wasn't out at the time and I was still kind of like waiting through all of that. Um, and I just never thought about it, you know, like it's funny because now I feel like if, if we decided to have kids and I had a boy that I would be like, I don't care. I'll put on whatever this kid will take the kid, the target and they can just go crazy. Right. <laughs> but for me, I just did what I knew. And I remember the day that our kid was like, Really upset that they had to wear a dress. Not that they had to, but that's what I picked out and gave to them mm-hmm. to wear, and they like weren't happy with it. And we came home, and they this was like very decisive, right? They looked, they looked right at us and said, "I do not want to wear dresses anymore."
3: Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Okay, yeah." They they sat us down and said, "I want to wear more like what Gabby wears." And we legitimately took them to Target that day. Yeah, like that's that day the next like, day and was like, go pick some okay, stuff out. We're going to go shopping then. Like, if that's
4: what you want, let's go. And they wanted to wear basketball shorts and, like, tank tops and button downs. And they were real decisive about it. And then it was, was the Yom Kippur, yeah, it was Yom Kippur. So mm-hmm. it was, like, September, October-ish. I can't remember when it fell that specific year. And we were going to synagogue and they I was like, you know, what do you want to wear? And they said, um, I really want to wear a nice, a nice suit. They call anything button down a suit. I want to wear a nice suit and a bow tie, like Gabby does. And I said, Okay. So the two of them went to Target. Was I with you for that trip? I can't remember. The two of them oh, went wow. to Target and picked out an outfit to wear for service for young people. And we went and it was just, I mean, they were so happy. They
3: were so comfortable. They were so thrilled. They got 8 billion compliments. I mean, like
4: everybody, every single them. person
3: stopped and was like, you look amazing. Yeah, they
4: looked so <laughs> dapper. Um, my mm. kid looks better than me. It's ridiculous. And then a few months later. So then just the other day was the two year anniversary of the dino shirt. And it was picture day at school and they wanted to wear their button down dino short, dino shirt for picture day. And they had never worn anything, you know, masculine at the time it was boy clothes. And now we just say masculine, and feminine clothes, but they had never worn anything masculine to school like that. And they were so nervous and you should tell the rest of the story. <laughs>
3: School. I I, well, right. So I took them to school, and so we were talking, and they were nervous and um, very nervous about what would happen. And I reminded them that you know they were like, "What if nobody else is dressed like this? And what if I'm the only girl in boy clothes?" Right? And mm-hmm. and uh, I said, "What if you show up and there's a another kid who wanted to wear their Dino shirt, mm-hmm. and then they see you in their Dino shirt today, and they go home to their parents and say, Oh my gosh.'" I saw that I said so you're also helping people by doing it. I said so like if you're really worried about what it is for you, you can think about how you might be helping other kids feel comfortable and they <laughs> and they made me cry cuz they were like, "Well, let's cuz like how you helped me." And I was like, Aww.
4: "Oh, yeah. <laughs> All I did was Aww. that's it." <laughs> but like yeah. that's the reality of living in authenticity is that yes, as older queers, right? Like we're the old millennial crew. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we owe it to younger folks to like say, hey, this is who we are. And since we feel comfortable being out and authentic, because not everybody does, but because Mm -hmm. we feel comfortable with it, I feel like it's our responsibility to really do it because then you get eight-year-old, nine-year-old kid who's like, I mean, I guess they were, they were, yeah, they were nine and a half, almost 10, who feels like they can just be authentic. And then it was only... Masculine clothes from there on out, right? So they were mm-hmm. super, super adamant about it. I mean, like they didn't want to touch a dress, nothing. <laughs> they didn't want to touch sparkles. They didn't want to touch anything. And then, like maybe six or seven months ago, they were like, "Mom, can you buy me some makeup?" And I was like, "Sure." And I bought them some makeup, and they got some makeup for their birthday. And then they were like, kind of, the pendulum was coming back. And then uh, it was probably three months ago that they said to us, "My pronouns are they and them." Mm-hmm. and we were like okay they were not happy that we didn't throw a party they wanted a <laughs> fair they thought that i was going to throw glitter in the air at that moment <laughs>
3: like um, you had it ready in your pocket yeah like already, it was ready, ready to was go
4: cuz i just knew it was going to happen but <laughs> since then since they they told us that and we had the conversation about you know their gender identity and everything they've just kind of been very fluid in the way that they dress mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they picked out a dress for our wedding, but they're also going to wear a, a button down shirt with a boat. Like they, they just, they just want to be fluid in who they are. Like they don't, they don't want to be held to any box.
3: And I'm like, you go. Like, yeah, this is amazing. It's a really cool turn. So they, we bought both options. Right. So we also try to come from a space of saying that like, you don't have to wear like what traditionally formal masculine or feminine right you don't have to fit that box but you do have to like present nice because it's because this is what the event is right so we try to establish that and give them examples of like all of the things that they can wear and so yeah so that's where they came to they came to wearing a dress with a button down on top and a and the matching bow tie that that the um that everybody's wearing they look amazing they look fantastic they look so, so they tried it on and they look amazing and I just think how cool it is that they get that perspective so right like tying back to the wedding right like i probably totally would have done that like to to Mm -hmm. match it i mean i was always more comfortable in pants but like if that was a compromise i would have been like i could do that you're gonna let me wear this on the top i totally would have done that so it's really cool to be able to pass that on to the next generation for them to see that they can yeah yeah, they can do whatever really cool yeah so so I think that
2: w- you covered so perfectly how gender expression and the way we perceive ourselves and the way other people perceive us and the way we dress and present and how that all plays into our feelings about ourselves and how comfortable we feel and I would I would also love to hear your perspective on the role that like pronouns and prefixes and the words that we use to address each other play in creating that same level of comfort or discomfort.
3: Yeah, I think that ties in perfectly. It feels like when you can find, when you find all those identities, whether it's your pronouns or your prefixes or your, like your labels, your butch, FM labels, you start to like let all those, those things go so that you can find, you. it's like, it's like you get a break from the expectations, right? So for our kid, by using they and them, they now no longer feel she her so that they don't have the expectations regardless of what their gender identity then now they feel like they can be more fluid in their presentation um and then they can explore i've found the same thing with becoming more comfortable with my butch identity which escalated with the project right so like i already identified as butch before we started it but as i have gone further into it the more i'm like oh there's lots of things that I actually like that I were that I was perceived this way, um, that's not. And also, I've also found that I um, also enjoy my gen- more gender neutral terms, right? So my pronouns are she and they, which I added, and like that also makes me feel more comfortable when things are gender neutral. I'm like, oh, now I don't have to worry, <laughs> like I don't have to think mm-hmm. about anything feeling uncomfortable. It feels genuine. So I think that it's really amazing that once we find those things, so we can just kind of explore ourselves as humans, rather than as what society expects our gender or identity to be based on any of it. And right, you had brought up to the prefixes. So this actually happened at our friend's wedding. They were sending out their formal invitations and they were like, hey, what prefix do you like to use? And I was like, oh, I hadn't really thought about it. So I researched it and I wanted to use mix. I was like, you know what? That makes the most sense to me. I don't don't feel like a mister and I don't feel like a miss and I'm not going to be a missus even though we weren't getting married at the time. Like I was like, that's <laughs> never going to make sense. So <laughs> I was like, mix is perfect because then it's, you don't have to worry about what my identity is. You're just going to, that's my name.
1: Is that what mix means? That it's, it's just gender neutral, but it says, what, what, what does that yeah, so, I mean, first,
3: I mean, it's, it just sort of, if you're in a formal setting and you're going to use a prefix, right. mix is the gender neutral okay. option.
1: And it's married um, or unmarried or?
3: Yeah. Okay. Kind of like Ms, like MS, right? Right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. um, that way it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't relate to marriage. It doesn't relate to your gender identity. It's just, okay, you want to put a formal thing in front you can have that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So it's not going to change when you get married in a couple right. weeks. It'll okay. stay the same. Yeah. I we mean, are
3: playing with
4: it a little bit. We are playing
3: a little bit on it because
1: we like
4: to kick the patriarchy in the place. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're going to have a little fun with it.
3: We are doing mix and MXS for her. So mix mixes. Oh,
1: okay. Oh, okay. It's so Emily, yours yeah. will be MXS. I mean, I'm not or, going to,
4: I'm not trying to formally take any type of prefix that I'm cisgender and I, I identify with, with being femme and MS is something that I feel totally comfortable with. So I don't mm-hmm. want to try and appropriate something that isn't meant for me, but for the fun of our wedding and like some stuff to wear on our honeymoon. So yeah. it's just fun. And so we, we talked about it because, you know, there's a couple things that are really important to us in our relationship. And a part of our dynamic is, um, that butch femme dynamic, which again is a whole nother podcast, but it's something that we've incorporated into our life, into our relationship. That's really comfortable for us. And a lot of people, a lot, a lot of younger folks, but a lot of people also, you know, just says had people feel like it's so heteronormative. Why would you do that? Does one person just want to be the man and one person wants to be the woman? And that's not what it's about for us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a really, really great dynamic that works for our relationship. And so the funny thing though, is that like I'm the femme one and Gabby's the butch one, but Gabby is going to have my last name. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and the concept of MRS, Misses as a prefix is is it's the possessive of mister. So it's belonging to the husband. Um, And we thought it would be really cute if, since Gabby's taking my last name, (laughs) that if she's MX, that I would be MXS. And it's just a fun, there's the little explanation of that. But, you know, because we feel like I, I mean, I'm the type of person that I want people to ask questions. Mm-hmm. I'm a demonstrative and a little sensationalized. Um, <laughs> and I like doing that. I mean, I've been uh, facilitating LGBTQ competency trainings for the past 12 years. And I love going into these trainings. And people are like, oh, my God, I have so many questions. I love it. I love making people's heads spin. For me, <laughs> it's really... Um, It's a great opportunity for education Mm -hmm. because then people will ask, what the heck does that mean? And then I can go, oh, well, here, let me explain. First of all, you know, and I'm totally fine with being that person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, thankfully. And we're (laughs) grateful for that because not everybody is, you know, Jackie and I talk about that a lot too, that I've kind of pulled Jackie into this and I think you've gotten more comfortable with it over time. Is that right, Jackie? but it's yeah, not, everybody. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> know. yeah. I mean, not everybody is comfortable. It's so personal, you know, it, you have to bring yourself and your personal experiences to it. And, um, you know, I think I pulled Jackie into it because I think I know that she's very confident in who she is. So it's not about that. You know, it's not about, right. There's no question that you, are confident in expressing who you are and, you know, and sharing that with the world. It's just a matter of, you know, that it's, it's exhausting too. Let's just be honest. It's exhausting for everyone. And we all have many, many obligations in the world and things to do in the world. And you face, you do face a lot of pushback and hate. And, you know, Jackie, you just sharing the story about having to confront someone in our Facebook group. I didn't even know about that. You didn't even mention that to me. And so just, well, I thought,
2: speaking of hate I thought it was interesting because I was just out at dinner with a couple of friends last night and uh one of them brought up transgender school and another friend asked hey have you ever like gone on Fox News or anything and I told them about how didn't Fox reach out I told them about how Fox reached out to us and I said an absolutely absolutely the not like we <laughs> I don't want death threats I don't want any of I don't want any of the things that come with being on Fox News. I have been at City Hall when my boss and other people's bosses ended up on Fox News. I have written legislation that fucking ended up on Fox News. It's not good. It's not (laughs) fun. You don't want it. You don't want want it. The emotional
4: labor involved in that is outrageous. It's I mean, as it is, it's it's hard anyways, right? Like you get that just from being on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. So I think that when people say like, oh, well, you know, you should get on every platform to educate, like, no, you go on a platform as a <laughs> person who has something to say about this. Don't put that emotional labor on us. So, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. but that's part of the reason why I'm loud. Because I know that I pass a straight, because I know that I am cis, because I know that I'm femme, because I know that, um, like, people will, will hear me in a different way. I'm not diehard anything except for human. And so I am loud about it because, like, if people will listen, then I'm going to talk. I just, you know, and if that does anything for my kid, because really that's what I always think about is that, you know, it's my child that they're talking about on Fox News. It's my child that they're writing about. Um, you know, it's my child that certain authors that uh, won't be named are talking crap about and mm-hmm. creating dangerous situations for. And so, yeah, I'm going to be really loud because um, because I've got the microphone and so I'm going to do it. And that's hard, too, because I don't want to take up space for the people who, who need to tell their story. Um, so, like, it's a fine line to walk, but... I know what the emotional labor looks like. And it's like, I guess it's easier for me because I don't mind it as much. Mm-hmm.
1: I, yeah, I, I get fired up. <laughs> I, I love it. The fire is needed. It is much yeah. needed in this. World I was going to say, I love
3: that, um, that Jackie, you've opted to be part of the activism. I remember when you came out, um, and we talked about this, um, Too that like I mean I was the only out person in our family. Yeah, yeah.
2: Thanks, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for thanks for doing that. Thanks for going first.
3: (laughs) My pleasure.
1: Yes.
3: (laughs) But I remember when you came out, Jackie, and we had a bunch of conversations and a handful of conversations, and I was very excited for you. I was very excited to have other family members in the family, and I was excited. Um, But I remember asking you, you know, like, oh, you know, do you think you might go to Pride? And you were like you know, I'm not sure I'm going to be an activist in this. And I remember being like, that's okay. Like, you know what? Like, you don't have to start there. Like when I came out, this marriage that I'm about to have wasn't legal. So I had to start in the fight. There wasn't a question. There wasn't any room to breathe. Right. There were, there wasn't anything for us. So I had to be activisty, but I remember like thinking that it was so cool to be free that you were like, I'm not sure. And I was like, that's okay. Like we did all this work so that you didn't have to do it now, right? You could find your own space in it, your own voice in it and whatever that meant for you. You've always been an activist, like it's in your blood and everything that you've done throughout your whole life, right? Like that, I, I've remembered that my whole life watching you. And I was like, I'm sure she's going to come around and actually be an activist, but like, (laughs) it's great that you took the time to be like, I'm not sure that this is going to be one of those things. I just always thought it was cool, but I also love to see that you found where you wanted it to be, right? Like that you, yeah. you were like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to do this. This
0: is how I want to do my
3: activism. Yeah. I mean, I've talked
2: about this before, I think on transgender school, but I, I I am glad you brought that up because it's so important to point out that like coming out in, what was it? 2017. 2017. Yeah. Coming out in 2017 in San Francisco like that was such a privilege and such a unique experience that I got to have that so few other queer people and trans people get to have. Um, And in so many ways that is, That is what I have to think, like having that experience and that privilege is why I'm able to be so comfortable in my identity and in being an advocate and in creating these spaces and telling Fox News no and like doing all of these things (laughs) is because I had that safe space to really come out and become comfortable with myself and learn about my community and get to know other people with similar experiences. Um, and, and I think that's part of why I feel so motivated to do this activism now is because it's so important to create more of those spaces and to try to make as much of this world as possible um, a little bit safer, you know, one, one step at a time for people like us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would just add to that. I want to say, cause I don't know if I ever told you this Gabby, but you know, when Jackie came out, it's a process. Like there was a long time where nobody knew and just our family knew. And then we slowly told people. And I always had in my heart, it makes me tear up. Like, oh, I can't wait to tell Gabby, you know, <laughs> cause she's going to be like, oh, oh. You, you know how you, you just know uh, you're, I was you know, when you're a hundred percent certain of what someone's response is going to be. And like 99% of the people I had to tell, I didn't know what their response was going to be, including my husband and Jackie's sister. And no, the, my parents, I knew because, you know, they're my parents. I knew like hundred percent support, but you were the only other person I think outside of my parents, the only other who I was like, oh, Gabby's going to be like, and not only supported, but like excited. (laughs) And it's going to like, think this is a good thing, you know? And that was like, so unique in the whole experience because nobody else thought that way. Nobody else responded that way, you know? And I just knew, and I I like held on to that when I finally got to tell you, you know, I think we were texting or something. And then I think we got on the phone right away or whatever, you know, it was, it, it was like, you were like, Oh my God, that's amazing. I'm so happy for her. Like, immediately, like, not skipping, oh. even though she was 19 and nobody had any idea, and all the things we now say, you were like, This is great. This is awesome. And it was, I just knew you were going to be. And it was like, it was like this delicious dessert I, I knew I was going to have amidst a, drought, <laughs> oh God, amidst a drought of anything. Yeah, to positive, eat a bunch of
2: know? terrible. I need a bunch horrible, of shit. Rotten, you know, of people being like, shit. What?
1: Like people who love us being like, there's no way, like, this is a mistake. Yeah. There, there was no sign. Like a lot of people, people who met well, I just knew that you were going to be, and I was like, ah, I can't wait for this. You <laughs> delivered. You went above and beyond delivering on that. Thank you. I never got to really thank you for that.
3: Well, I love it. I've, I've, I love that you trusted me and that you were, you know, that you told me and that, cause I know what it takes, you know what I mean? And like, and I know all the. Turd sandwiches you ate before you got to me. You know what I mean. Like even without you telling me, you didn't even have to tell me. But I know. Um, And like, but I am. I'm genuinely excited. I love it. I love all of this. It's it was it's real. Like I'm very very excited.
1: I want to say also that I didn't just know that because at the time I knew that you identified as a lesbian. I know that because of who you are. And I've I've had a couple of encounters with people in the LGBTQ community who were not supportive. I had a yeah. conversation with a woman who is a, is a lesbian who was like, oh, no, no, you got to challenge her because you got to challenge your kid because I I thought I wanted to be a boy when I was young and I realized I was just a lesbian. So not everybody understands, right? And so I couldn't assume that you would be supportive just because I knew you're a member of the community. I assumed, I knew you were going to be supportive because you're you.
4: You're saying that like, not funny, haha, but like ironic because... When I was early on in all of this for myself, but early, like, more early in my activism. And I was working in a position um, where I was running the LGBT department at um, a local university. And part of my job was like bringing in speakers and bringing in people from around the country to, um, you know, to have like candid conversations about being in the community. And I was really um, focused on like raising trans voices. And I spoke with a very prominent, um, but now I come to realize problematic person in the trans community um, who was like, you know, oh, well, we got to make sure that these, these trans kids are really, really, you know, paying attention because they don't know if they really want it. And they come out and they just got to transition immediately. And, you know, and, and I remember thinking like creating that safe space is so important because the people who are older than us, the, the, like, 90s lesbians and the trans people who are in their 50s and 60s and who like you know have so much internalized stuff still going on um like the space needs to be safe for them too and and I think that the problematic pieces that come out like I feel so sad right I feel so sad that like somebody who's had to yeah. go through the struggle can turn around and say oh no no you better right. check sure and I right. wonder how people told them that you know i wonder how many people have stepped in their way and now they're like how does this young person get an easy free ride and it's not it's just different it's just a different time you know right. so i think that that's it's pivotal when you know that e- even people in your own community um are going to create problems and so yeah. like how do you find the right people the the village as it were um of people that you can surround yourself with cuz that's a real tough one too. Yeah. Right? Like and be, being in the community and um being a pansexual person like not an exclusive lesbian person has been difficult for me in the lesbian community mm-hmm. um because there's a ton of biphobia, like a ton. So that's like just another layer of all of this is finding the people that you can surround yourself with. Um you know they're going to be supportive and be on the journey with you. So that's hard.
3: Yeah, it's a big it's a big reason why we're really intentional about everything that we do on the project because there's lots of transphobia and there's lots of bi and panphobia and there's lots of femphobia too, which is super interesting. And like we don't believe in gatekeeping or tolerating any of that. Um, so I'm real careful about who's part of the crew. That's a big conversation that we have. That like there will be no, there's, you know, butch people are mad because femme people get to walk through the world without having to wear their identity on their sleeve. And I'm like, that's not how any of this works. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and you know, they think, Oh, I shouldered all the, the, I shoulder everything because I'm clearly queer. And while that's true, it's, it's not, one doesn't, isn't big, bigger than the other or worse than the other, you know? Um, and so like, it's not something that we tolerate in our lives and it's definitely not something we tolerate on the project that like gatekeeping or excluding anybody. It's not okay. Like everybody's struggles are different, but they're just, they're all struggles. Like we're, we're all supposed to be unifying here, not not being like, well, we're better gays than you are, or, (laughs) you know, my queer is better flavor than your queer, you you know? Um, And like, I always think like we fought for everything because we wanted everybody to be together, not because we wanted to create a new fight for a different kind of person. And I think it, that also ties into all the education, right? Is that like communicating about it and saying that like, okay, but you have to learn, you have still have to be open to be learning something new, right? Like we, mm-hmm. we fought through all these barriers and now that means it's more open for more people. So it's going to be different than what you thought it was when you started, right? Like I also like identifying as queer more now than before. And it's always funny because, um, my friends group always like to joke that I'm a gold star lesbian because, <laughs> <laughs> because it came out so young, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so you, but, to, you just totally like I'm
4: played down sorry. the point of that label. No, no, well, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's Like it was funny. No, but time, I mean but, like, like that's like a really big, like just coming out young, like it, yeah. it's, mm. it's the way that that label presents itself within the lesbian community. Oh, yeah. Um, well,
1: and yeah. And in all, I think that right. overall, because like, you know, sure. it takes, and I, I feel like There's a different type of courage and, you know, and um, experience when you come out young. I do think that should be recognized. Not that it's not courageous to come out at any point at 19, at 30, at 40 or 50, but you were how old, Gabby? I was 14. You were 14 and did not have a, I mean, I'll be honest, did not have like a hugely supportive, I won't say it's supportive, but like educated family. We weren't all, we weren't all like. So anyway, I think you deserve a lot of credit for that. Go ahead, go on.
3: (laughs) But sure, but terms like that, you know, aren't, you know, don't mean anything, but everybody would, um, you know, they were funny then. And now it's not really something that like, you know, we'll crack jokes about it or something like that internally, but it's not something I would, you know, publicly talk about in a proud way or anything like that, because it doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And also I would always confuse people because I'd be like, well, I don't really know what I'm going to be like when I'm 50. Mm -hmm. like. Like this, I can tell you that up until today, I've only been attracted to this type of human. I don't, I don't know 50 year old Gabby yet. So I couldn't tell you what she's going to (laughs) think. Exactly. Um, Like that's so crazy. And I'm like, but how, how do you know? Like, you don't know either. Like, but. Right.
1: And that's so important, especially for parents listening to hear, you know, because unlike you two and your, I think your model of parenting, I'm, I'm so hoping that people follow the lead on because so many parents, they want to put their kids into some kind of box, even if they're supportive and they're like, great, you're gay. Great. Okay. You're in that box. That's easy for me. Right. They, they, that doesn't work anymore. It's like, It's all fluid and it could change and it could evolve and we could become more aware and we could, you know, like Emily described, you know, know that there, and like Jackie described in our last podcast, I learned in our last podcast that Jackie knew she was bisexual from a much younger age than she shared with us. I did not know that. That came out on the podcast. We got a lot of response to that, by the way, Jackie, people were messaging me like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you. Put that I'll on there. Like, I'll try
2: to think of something else you don't know for the. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like in next episode, we could do an episode on my like bombshells from Jackie that I never knew.
3: How can I surprise mom on every episode? <laughs> How can I come out? I mean, it's funny because I came out at fourteen. I definitely knew way earlier, um, but yeah, I didn't have any. Exa- I didn't have any examples. I didn't have any examples in media. There was no representation, really. Right? Like, yeah. So Our family was
1: decent about it, you know. That's kind Uh, to say. I think you probably got a lot of pushback.
3: There was pushback for things and there was, there was more pushback for gender expression than there was for gender identity. Um, it was a lot of that's fine, but you can't dress like this or that's fine, but this step is too far. And that also changed in time. My mom is like the number one supporter, out of all of this. She wants to see the photos. She bought a calendar. She, when I told her that my prefix was mixed, she was like great and used it the next day. Like, you know, it's, she's really come to terms with the education. Um, And I know that our Nana was the same before she passed and, you know, everybody, everybody's, everybody who's left (laughs) is still, like, they're like, oh, okay, now we know, but they didn't yeah. know, right? Yeah. We talk about that being an environment of their time. We yeah. came from an older generation family. yeah. So they just didn't know any better. But now that they know better, they're doing better, which is really all yeah. we can ask for overall. Exactly. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I never faced anything different, but I remember when Jackie came, when you and I were talking, when Jackie had come out and you were telling me all the things that you were doing to support her and everything that you did. And I was like, oh
1: like mm.
3: all that our family did again nothing wrong with it was like okay mm-hmm. and then that was it there was nothing else there was no how can we help you how do we support you what do we get right. you How do you, which right. therapy do you need to go to a different what do you need what's this what's that That mm-hmm. that wasn't a thing that happened yeah. they were just like yeah.
1: oh. anyway <laughs> that was yeah. some great things I remember when, after Jackie came out and talking with you, Gabby, and you probably don't remember because it's silly, but apologizing to you and saying like, I'm sorry that when you came out, I didn't step up. I didn't know better. Like I was part of, you know, I'm a lot older, even though we're first cousins, because our grandmother had so many kids <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and who had kids at very different stages of life. You know, I'm a lot older than you, even though I feel very close to you and I feel like we're on the same wavelength on in, in every way, you know, I remember saying like, gosh, I, you know, I remember when you came out and I, I don't, I don't think I said anything. I mean, I just, I didn't think anything. I remember just being like, well, yeah, you know, it made sense, you know? Sure. Um, but like, I
3: didn't,
1: <laughs> like, I didn't nobody he was surprised, but I didn't do anything to reach out and be like, Hey, how can I support you? You know? Right. So I just, I just want people to think about that and think, You know, all these things we're learning today about how to support young people and and support groups and therapy and all the things we educate, like anybody can reach out and be that person. And it's up to all of us. It's not like, oh, well, I think their parents are supportive. Like, you don't know that, like reach out. And if you if you have resources and you have support to offer, please, you know, because. Um, you're right. That was not something that used to happen and it's slowly changing. So, yeah. so what would we like to, what would our final thoughts be for our <laughs> audience? And we can chat more after, after Jackie runs as a family, if we want, but, um, well, any final thoughts for listeners? I think we, you know, we kind of went in a lot of different directions, but we covered everything we wanted to. We, we really, I, I wanted to really dive deep into gender expression, gender presentation. Um, the fluidity and diversity of how things change and evolve and the complexity of it all, that it doesn't fit into any of these neat boxes or categories. And you two are like shining examples of all of it in who you are and how you're raising your child together. And the relationship that you're in and that you're now going to, you know, bring to a a formal consummation in your wedding, which I get to be at, which is so exciting. So any final thoughts, uh, Jackie, and then we'll we'll leave the final words to Gabby and Emily. Uh, Well,
2: first I want to say, remember to plug all your content, Butch Boudoir and everything. And we want everyone (laughs) to check you out. I know you're on all of the social media, so definitely check them out. Um, but I just want to say, thank you so much for being here. I think this was a really, hopefully informative conversation for everyone who listened, um, and just want to echo my mom's comments about, um, you know, I think what a great example you set and how great, what great work you're doing, educating people and, um, looking forward to supporting each other in our work moving forward.
1: Oh, wait. And Jackie, since you mentioned plugging, which they're going to do in a minute, let's plug our stuff first. We got it. We forget. (laughs) Plug everything. We'll plug 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 okay you start the plug jackie what do we want to plug all right well transgender
2: school <laughs> you can find us on all of the social media um, and on patreon patreon.com transgender school um our podcast is on all of the platforms um although there's the whole spotify thing so maybe i don't know if we should oh, talk about we'll that, that. We'll have that we going, gotta figure we'll have that, that out offline yes <laughs>
1: Pick your free uh, podcast platform that's uh, the way <laughs> oh my gosh i get your podcast platform carefully yes <laughs> I'll,
2: I'll and will and my plug on that
1: our video our 90 minute educational video is only $10 and we donate five dollars of every ten dollars to transforming family support group our support group and it's at vimeo.com slash on demand slash trans ally on how to be an ally for transgender people now you take it away gabby and emily tell us all about your final thoughts and and everything you're doing and where people can find you
3: okay so where you can find us uh it's butch boudoir project you can find us online it's butchboudoir.com you can also find it if you type project in because I bought both uh, and Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. It's all Butch Boudoir Project. We also have a Patreon, but we also started a Substack, which is where I'm going to dive a little further into talking more about my story and our story and including some more people on there. So you can buy our merch. The calendars are up as Bridget has hers. Mine's farther behind me. There it is the calendar 2022 calendars you can still get a hold of there will be one in 2023 but we have some butcher farming merchandise and all of it supports what we're doing cuz everything that we do is just volunteering our time everybody who's part of it volunteers so everything that you buy or order or donate to all just comes back to helping that so yeah.
4: i think that um probably the most important thing that we can leave with is that you know recognizing that that gender and sexuality and presentation and people in general are fluid. You know, we're not linear, we don't exist as a monolith. And that, you know, allowing people the space to be authentic at every stage in their life um, is honestly life-saving. And when I think about yes. the the stuff that I've done as a social worker and the youth that I've worked with in the community, you know, the number one thing that always comes up is that. Not feeling supported in authenticity, no matter where that is, causes some of the highest mental health disparities that we see within the community. So, um, you know, if there's like nothing that you picked up from any of this today, the biggest thing is that just allowing people to be who they are in whatever space they feel comfortable, whether you're comfortable with it or not, is really, um, you know the best way to support somebody. So if you just don't know how to support someone and you're still wondering how to do that and you're like concerned and nervous and you don't know if you're going to say the right things and honestly, the absolute best way to support somebody if you don't know how is just allowing them space to be authentic. And then you can learn from there by going to transgender school and going (laughs) to Bush Boudoir and checking out um, all kinds of of ways to develop yourself as a human because we all deserve that space. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Emily, what you just said is the perfect end note. I could not possibly add anything except that I had chills as you were speaking and my eyes are filled with tears because (laughs) that's the world we want to live in. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. We love you so much and we are so grateful to you. Okay, bye (laughs) everybody. Thank
0: you so much for listening to our Transgender School podcast. We hope you learned something new and that you're inspired to learn more.
1: If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And please be sure to check out our website, transgenderschool.org. You'll find many valuable resources there, including news about upcoming courses we'll be teaching.
0: Make sure to join us for future podcast episodes. We'll catch you on the first Tuesday of every month.